This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so make sure you go back and listen to part one first. Fong, Sterling mentioned a lot of, of topics that I know are, are really good, and I know you covered yours, but is there anything that when you think back, knowing what you know now, you wish maybe you had reviewed or spent a little more time looking at before you came to the U.S.? Um. Well, I think uh, still the culture. <laughs> oh yeah, there's one more. Uh, one is, uh, I think uh, uh, you know the history and the healthcare system about the U.S. Uh, in the U.S. is uh, quite important. You know, when I first get sick, um, we have the primary care, we have the urgent care, and the emergency care. You know, uh, so. Back in Singapore, uh, you know, we, it's totally different, you know. So whenever you, you are sick, you can straight away go to the emergency room. So I made a big mistake, <laughs> go to the emergency room. So, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we should include some of the healthcare system in our topic, maybe. So it's also benefit our candidate as well. I completely can understand what you're saying. We have probably all counseled nurses who the first time they don't feel well here um, and have to access the healthcare system, um, it may be very early in their time. Things happen. And mm-hmm. so if you're if you're thinking, well, this is what I did at home when I felt sick, it is very different here. There are acuity levels that are to be used. And it also, if you go to the wrong one, it can be more financially uh, burdensome to choose an ER for something that maybe could have been cared for in an urgent care center or could have um, been even, we have a lot of telehealth options now um, that are coming online. So, you know, you may, you may be able to see a doctor online and then send a prescription to your pharmacy. And you're like, I didn't even have to go anywhere for this. So there's lots of things. And I think that's a great point. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so Mark, what feedback have we heard from the nurses about the resources for pre-arrival preparation? Uh, in, in general, we tend to get pretty good feedback on the, on the resources that we send out. However, we're always looking to improve. So, you know, if, if you are going through this process and you've gotten the modules and you said, man, you know, one of these wasn't very helpful, but there was another one that was incredibly helpful. We want to know that feedback. Um, but in general, you know, we do a good job of evaluating periodically of what courses we think are most important when we base that feedback on what our clients and what our nurse managers are relaying over to us of where was our challenge in the orientation period. So we take that information into account. Uh, One great example I always like to give, you know, you need far more autonomy as a nurse here in the U.S. You know, you're not going to be as dependent on the physician right there to make decisions in real time for you. So, so for example, when you call a physician and say, hey, there's been a change in the breathing pattern, they have some shortness of breath now, that physician is immediately going to ask you, well, what do their lungs sound like? They're not going to be telling you what their lungs sound like because they're not right there at the bedside ready to assess that patient. So that's where those, those modules and that feedback is important for us to know which modules we need to choose for you. Mm-hmm. 
And the, the one thing that's um, really important when you're seeing that on the module is to take it and say, I haven't listened to lung sounds since nursing school. And if that's the case, find your family and your friends and your stethoscope and listen to some lung sounds because it's really hard to start from the beginning when you're already here. And like I said earlier, drinking from the fire hose. So try to start applying some of that when you can, even while you're overseas. So don't just watch the module. Try and start saying, hmm, let me practice some of these techniques on the people who wouldn't mind being my practice patient. <laughs> or if the hospital gives you that opportunity. I've had people who will say, I talked to the attending physician. They understood that my goal was to go overseas. They knew already that things were going to be different. And they taught me some stuff about what they're looking for, what they're listening for. And now I can use that. So you can begin applying it even before you get here. Um, AJ, this next one's for you. So when you start your orientation, which is coming up soon, what do you what are you expecting is going to be different based on when you when you studied the modules you go you know what that's going to be different for me when i go to work so what are you expecting there you go well, a lot actually because uh, i came from the philippines and we know uh, there's a lots of things and ways that are being still used there that are uh, previously being used from the past years but are quite different in, here in the united states so uh, I think the procedures, the ways, and uh, a lot of uh, materials and equipments that are being introduced. Uh, and clearly, we know that there are lots of things that are being uh, produced and being used in different uh, countries. So I'm expecting more that I'll be I'll able to learn more uh, and being taught. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. And you mentioned procedures. Um, you know. Mark, we talk about um, doing some fully catheter insertion and the and the limitations that you may have with what gender you're allowed to start those with. Um, there's also the fact that some places the materials that you'll use for the procedure are individually packaged. So you'll go into your supply room and you're going to grab each piece of that procedure. Um, in the United States, a lot of those are packaged pre um, into a, a one package for the whole thing. So the procedure is assembled for you. Um, and why do we do something like that? Why do we package it and put it all together like that? The, the one is the time management piece. So you don't have to go searching around for each individual item. Two is also the field of sterility that you're going to use for that particular intervention. So, you know, it, it sounds a little daunting when you first come up to this package and you open it up and you have three different sterile towels that you're pulling out and you go, oh my gosh, which do I put where? I'm used to just setting my sheet under my patient, getting my supplies right here. So the, the main purpose is infection control of why those packages are put together the way they are, but also, you know, time management. So you're not going and hunting pieces, but also going back to that infection control so you don't forget a piece that you may need because we do have best practices uh, and policies that we have to follow for inserting in a sterile environment. Right. And breaking sterile field puts the patient at risk for an infection. We would rather grab a new kit if we've broken sterile field than put the patient at risk for infection. So it's very much about preventing any negative outcomes that might happen as a result of um, violating that sterile field or perhaps um, doing the procedure in a in a order that even puts them at more risk, depending on what you're doing. Um, at what point 
uh, exactly do we actually get the modules to complete? For example, two months before arrival. So we were talking about that a little earlier with Sterling. And I know, depending on what organization you're with, um, they may time it a little differently. So it's not always everybody does the same thing. But um, Sterl, do you want to talk a little bit about that again? Just kind of recap. Yeah, absolutely. So what we mentioned earlier is we want to give these to you several months before you arrive to the U.S. I would say really six to four months before you arrive to the U.S. is our goal because we don't want you to be rushed right before you come to the United States. We require the courses to be done before you travel to the U.S. And we know those last few months before you pack up your family and move your whole life to the U.S. is very stressful, which is why we'd like to get them done ahead of time, especially so you retain that information, you're not having to rush through the courses all at once, and so you get your CE credit because some states in the U.S. do require you to have CE credit in order to get a license. So we want our licensure team to go ahead and be able to start processing and applying you for that license. So it's um, it's important if you if you're getting those a little closer to your arrival time for whatever reason, um, don't delay because Estrell mentioned the closer you get to your arrival, the busier you are with all those preparations for yourself, your family, um, your finances, your work. And um, we know that some people do choose to kind of procrastinate, but it doesn't usually help in the long run with all the other things you have. You want to get the most out of this that you possibly can. So, um, Mark, the uh, the feedback that we uh, get from the hospitals, what are the most common experience gaps that they perceive when nurses are uh, orienting uh, when they first arrive? Yep, I, I would say in terms of ranking them, our top two are going to be policies, procedures, EMR. Um, those are usually the, the kind of the big ones. Um, next up, medication names are, are a pretty common focus as well. As many of you know, that our medication names may be a little bit different here in the U.S. We may have several different pharmaceutical companies that make the same type of medication with a different name for each one of them. Um, equipment. You know, IV infusion pumps, uh, those, some of those things that maybe if you're in a medical surgical setting, you probably didn't just have as much exposure to it. But it takes a little bit of time and repetition to get used to those. Um, and then as we kind of mentioned earlier, some of those, what we would consider more basic interventions for nursing interventions, such as IV insertion, urinary catheter insertion. Uh, so those are kind of the big five that we usually focus on and highlight on. Um, now, there obviously, there could be some others that come up, as Sterling mentioned, communication, those customer service skills, um, those soft skills that we look at as well. Um, and then time management, that's going to be a big one as well. You know, you you have been doing things one way. Now you kind of have to learn how to cluster care and knock out several tasks at one time for your patient. Yeah, that's really great feedback. And when you're thinking about um, preparing, that seems like a very long list of things that you're going to have to navigate through. Everybody's going to have a little bit of a different um, experience. Maybe they're more comfortable with adapting to how to manage time, but it also is when you, when you have that opportunity to observe your preceptor working in that first day or two or three that you're, you're in that observation mode, you really want to soak it in and talk about it. So 
the more knowledge you gain about why they do things, maybe clustering care the way they do, the more you can start to adapt your thought process accordingly. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. So, uh, Sterl, you mentioned something earlier that I didn't really go back to, so I'm going to go back now, which is remedial um, modules or, or being assigned modules even once you're working here. So mm-hmm. can you tell me... What are the reasons why a nurse might need to even do some modules once they're here on uh, as an individual versus the usual modules that we might give everybody? Yep. Great question, Holly. So a lot of times once nurses get to their floor, um, it might have been a while since they did the modules before they came, or they may just be seeing new diagnosis or equipment that they're not familiar with. And our clinical managers uh, can make the recommendation or the clinical managers at your hospital can always recommend to us that you get some additional education. But those can really run the gamut of anything that you may be experiencing on your unit that you're not totally comfortable with or you just need some practice. So, for example, that could be titrating drips. If you are struggling with that in orientation and it's taking you a little bit longer than it should, we can assign some additional education to help you get up to speed with that task. Um, Same for any different equipment. Our online learning platform is HealthStream, and they have some great courses specific to, you know, certain pumps or even hospital beds, Uh, any type of equipment that you may see in the hospital, um, how to insert a catheter, for example. Mark's mentioned that. Um, But COVID was a great example, too, because, you know, within a period of several weeks, COVID-19 popped up and our nurses needed information fast. So if our nurses were deployed to a COVID unit or seeing COVID patients on their home unit, there was um, education readily available that we could assign to our nurses to help bring them to speed with what they might experience with a COVID uh, patient. And that was a really great asset for us because it affected it it affected everyone all at one time. Yeah, that's a very good example. Thank you, Sterling. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about the technology differences. Mark, what are the biggest differences in training technology that are used here in the U.S. to help nurses on board? Yeah, some of the the bigger differences are just going to be your exposure to the equipment. Um, You know, even if you've had some experience with different equipment and unless you're coming from a a couple of the few hospitals in the Middle East have very similar U.S. equipment, but the technology and equipment is going to be a little bit different. Um, Generally speaking, you should get some skills days and and time with it in that general orientation period in those first couple of weeks. But more importantly, it's going to be on you to self-advocate for yourself as to where you need help with the technology you are facing. 
Um, you know, different parts of the world may see different things. So, for example, our nurses coming from our African countries are going to need a little bit more with that computer time, you know, the EMR orientation. Um, you know, our nurses coming from some of the Caribbean countries may not see as many of those IV infusion pumps on their medical surgical floor. So they're going to want some more time with that. Our ICU nurses, perhaps, you know, CRRT is not something that they complete in their current environment in ICU, but they're going to have to see that machine pretty frequently here in the U.S. So those are some of the examples that I see pretty frequently. Um, now, obviously, certainly not limited to that list of items as well. Absolutely. Um, so Sterling, um, when it comes to documentation, what is usually covered in our pre-arrival modules? Yep. So we have one specific course called Professional Nursing Documentation, and that is going to give our nurses the very big, large-scale overview of documentation in the U.S. Of course, um, a lot of our nurses are moving from paper to computer documentation, and that is certainly a big transition. So this course is really going to set up the expectations of what our nurses could see in the U.S. Now, Fang mentioned earlier that she uses Epic at her hospital. Holly, you mentioned a few others, such as CERN. Um, so one thing that we wish we had access to was visibility into each of those systems. But because those systems are licensed out, we do not get visibility into each EMR system that you may be using at your hospital. So one thing that our nurses can do that is very helpful is if you know what EMR system you will be using here in the U.S., for example, Epic, Cerner, um, you can often go online whether it's on YouTube or through different articles, and at least watch some videos so you can see what the interface of the system looks like. You can see, um, you know, what each tab looks like. You can see what certain care plans look like. So at least it won't be completely, um, I would say, foreign to you. That's kind of funny. At least it won't be totally foreign to you when you see it your first few days of orientation you say, oh yeah, I remember seeing this when I looked up these programs. But another piece of our um, pre-arrival modules that I want to touch on is typing practice. Um, this actually is very helpful to our nurses who are currently on paper charting because we expect all of our nurses to submit a typing certificate before they come. This is part of the pre-arrival modules. And we do that to ensure that your typing speed is up to par. Because if you are a very slow typer or you're looking down at your keyboard and having to press each letter individually with one finger, it is going to take you a very, very long time to document. And quite frankly, you don't have time to type that slow. So that's why we encourage all of our nurses to practice your typing speed, make sure you're typing very fast, because then you're not looking at the keyboard, um, searching for the letter A to type out your notes. And unfortunately, that really does slow down our nurses if they haven't practiced that before we com they come to the U.S. But certainly that is one of the biggest and best things you can do is practice your typing and practice your computer navigation skills. 
All right. Um, so basically what, um, what I wanted to ask AJ kind of in follow-up to that is what device did you use AJ to complete your preparation with your modules? Well, uh, what I did and what, I did, what uh, I'm comfortable with is using a laptop in comparison to only using my phone as uh, it gives less stress to my eyes and I'm getting quite comfortable in using it because uh, in the long run, it will, it will help me uh, during my duty times. And yeah, laptop is better than a personal computer in my personal opinion or a phone. Okay, so I appreciate you sharing that perspective. I think um, that also makes it, of course, um, applicable for the typing that uh, Sterling mentioned earlier. And if you don't have a computer accessible to you, a laptop or a personal computer, and you don't have an easy way to get one, you may need to take the effort to borrow from a friend or family member who has one. It is worth the effort to be able to practice these things and become more skilled in using those devices. Think about it this way. If you are learning so many new things and having to demonstrate competency in so many new things and you're not comfortable using a mouse or like Sterling said, you're, you're doing what we call, I call this hunt and peck. It's where you're hunting for the key and you're pecking with your finger on that individual. It's slowing you down and it's, it's something that can be a, addressed while you're still here. So it may seem, oh, that's silly. Why would I worry about that? But it truly can help you to have those skills already in place and be comfortable when you're learning so many other more, um, I don't know, maybe higher priority topics and skills once you get here. Okay. So um, the last thing is some final advice and we sort of around the group and I'll start with Fong. What is one piece of advice you'd give to nurses to help them prepare for the difference in their role in the U.S.? Just one. I'm sure you have lots. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, just one, okay? Uh, be at your own pace. So I know uh, this doesn't mean that you can always, uh, you know, uh, be slow or, you know, uh, do things, uh, you know, really, you know, enjoy, uh, you are enjoying the time uh, as, uh, you know, doing your things alone. It's only uh, what I mean is you plan your pace. Uh, because uh, why am I saying this is uh, because you are new to a new environment and uh, uh, planned pace will make you be more confident and uh, um, digest all that you learn, you know, in one day or two days. Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, maybe I give an example, you know, uh, for the first week you can take up to one to two patients. Don't, you know, uh, exaggerate that. You know, you will be at stress if you take more than that, no matter what reason. Uh, yeah, so that's the time for you to learn. And uh, one to two patients, if you are confident with one, one to two patients, then you can go on. If you still cannot tell your preceptor that, you are still not comfortable and uh, you need some more time. Yeah, be at your own pace. That's great advice. Um, and Sterling, I'm going to have you go next and then AJ, and then we'll have Mark um, round it out. 
Thanks, Holly. So my advice would be to take your pre-arrival courses seriously. I know that sometimes you look at your list and it seems so long. We give you three months to complete those. So if you could prioritize one course every other day or um, every third day, however that works out, you're really going to retain that information. You're going to get the courses done gradually. You won't be saving them till the last week before they're due and you're stressed. And when you think about the time it takes you to complete your courses now, really think about what all you're going to learn and how much time that is going to save you once you're in orientation. Because you may learn several things in your courses that's going to save you a lot of headache and trouble in orientation because you're already going going to have exposure to those topics. Right. All right, AJ, you're up next. What is your piece of advice? So I think uh, I'll just give it an overall. So just prepare yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally because you'll be uh, introduced to a lot of different people and a lot of different attitudes. So just prepare yourself in all of those aspects. Good point. Yep. There's going to be a lot coming at you. So the more you work to prepare ahead of time, it's kind of like um, if you are planning to run a marathon, and that's kind of what this is, (laughs) then you want to make sure that you do some practice marathons and you want to train for that and not just expect that when you get here, you can run the marathon without having done some work ahead of time. All right, Mark, last but not least. (laughs) Well, I really love all those pieces of advice that everyone's given. So to kind of round it out, you know, my biggest piece would be to know that you are the go-to person in your previous setting. And you're coming here, you're going to almost feel like you're a new nurse at times because there's so many differences that you're learning on the fly. So my main piece of advice with that in mind is embrace the conversations that you have with your preceptor, your nurse manager, educator, where you are identifying areas of improvement. So areas that you need to do better in, it can be uncomfortable. It can be sometimes a little bit disheartening sometimes to hear this feedback, because like I said, you were that expert previously, but the more you embrace those areas, the better and the stronger nurse that you are going to be as you come out of that and you learn from those experiences. Absolutely, completely agree. Great advice. So um, thank you to our guests who joined us today, Fong, AJ, Sterling, Mark. It was great to see all of you. Hope maybe we can see you on some future sessions. Thanks again to everybody. Hope they have a good rest of your day or night. Take care. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.